You're listening to Cornerstone Conversations, a podcast by Cornerstone in Fort Worth, Texas. My name is Jeremy McNair, and I'm the worship pastor at Cornerstone, and I'm joined by my co-host, David Wilson, who is our student pastor and has been leading us as a church family through an incredible series called Root Work, really figuring out what it is that we as believers need to do to realign ourselves with the purpose that God's intended for us individually and as for the church. We'd love, as we have these conversations, for you to be a part of them. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback that you'd like to contribute to these conversations, we'd love to hear it by texting your feedback to 817-809-3040. We'll take all the very best questions and we'll respond to as many of them as we can that we think will be most applicable to our listeners. Again, this is such a wonderful opportunity for us to connect not only to our church family, but to our listeners all over the world. And if you are a part of these conversations, we want to thank you for tuning in as we study the Rootwork series. David, Sunday, you had such a great moment. I've really loved this series, honestly, but the third Sunday is kind of the pinnacle of it, right? You introduce the problem of where the church is at, and the third really brings it to an individual introspective Mm -hmm. moment. Whereas then as we kind of conclude this series the next few weeks, then we look a little bit more outwardly. But one thing that I really loved about this sermon was how and deeply it encourages us all to look at our own issues. You use the term interior examination, yeah, yeah. right? And to look at the things that affect us and ultimately our relationship with the Lord. Right. And even with one another, because being present to ourselves and being integrated is one of the words that I used this past Sunday as well. Recognizing where we're compartmentalized and taking an actual look at number one, what compartmentalization actually is. It's the mm-hmm. dividing of our part selves where we don't allow access to mm-hmm. those parts, even for ourselves. And then for a lot of us, because we are not aware or we've made ourselves unaware. Sure. <laughs> it, yeah. The better way ignored or suppressed or repressed parts of ourselves. We then don't allow God to have access to those parts as well. Why do you think that is? Because I don't think it's even necessarily a you issue or a me right. thing. I think it's kind of a cultural thing. Yeah. Well, in our culture of noise and distraction, we're not really encouraged to take a true inner look other than to identify maybe an aspect of myself that I really like, or I think the culture would like. And then I trump that aspect up so much that it becomes who I am. Yeah. And so now I am this element of me. Mm. Whether it's my sexuality, whether it's my drive for success, whatever it is, my idiosyncrasies, my eccentric personality, or the fact that I'm a resistor and I don't want to be a part of any of this stuff. And As I'm if you are fully identified by the one that's quality right. or characteristic. I mean, that's true even when you introduce yourself to someone yeah. and you say, hi, my name is Jeremy. The very first question you get is, well, what do you do? That's right. As if that was the entirety of your being, was the one element of your occupation. Or you mentioned sexuality. That's something that's a huge Mm -hmm. identifying thing in society now. It's like, who are you? It doesn't really matter as much as your sexuality in the way that society views you as a person. That's exactly right. And I think there's an implicit and an explicit move by our culture to begin to identify us by clearly definable markers. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that, yes, we are one whole being, our physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, all of this does integrate together, right? which means that 
when one is impacted, another element is impacted. So if I'm physically tired, mm -hmm. then I'm more prone to be anxious or I have a short fuse or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, it all, it's all linked together. It's all linked together. So the point in saying that though is that yes, you are one whole part, but what we do consciously mm -hmm. sometimes and subconsciously maybe as a mechanism to cope with the situation is that we take parts of ourselves and we put them to the side. Wow. So yeah. then we don't allow ourselves to access them. Again, I didn't have time to tell some stories to talk about this point. Here's what I was thinking as I was writing this down. When I was in fifth grade, I was a very competitive person. Mm -hmm. If you know me now, you know that that's... <laughs> it's not your driving <laughs> not my thing. thing now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's what happened. I lost a basketball game. I lost a you basketball lost Not my team, not, you know, the other team was better. It was me. I lost it. <laughs> um, I lost a basketball game and I remember I'm like 10 or 11 years old and I'm yelling at this referee about how horrible he is. And I'm sure I used colorful words even at a 10 or 11 <laughs> year old. And my dad went, David, hush, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> just be quiet. You have no clue what his day looked like. You have no clue what he is going through in his life. And plus, this is rec league basketball. Mm -hmm. It's fine and you're going to be fine. And I remember fuming and being mad about that in the moment. But the more that I processed that, I realized this is a really nasty part of myself. Mm. And so then in this big moment, I remember thinking, I need to not be so competitive. Yeah. And so now it's like a shaping force in my life yeah. to purposely not be a competitive person because of how competitive I used to be. And all I'm trying to point out with that example is that we have part selves mm -hmm. that just in a non-anxious kind of setting where it's low anxiety and there's low pressure or impact on us at all. All of our part selves can work together and be really cool. But then when we have moments in our lives where things occur, whether it's good or bad, yeah. What automatically happens is those selves either rear themselves up or we suppress them violently wow. to make sure that they yeah. don't happen. So again, this is all to say that our whole selves are made up of parts. Yeah. And so the more that we can recognize those parts, the more that we can integrate them together in a healthy way and put them underneath what I've said this past week, the trust and relationship of God and allow him to gaze at who we are completely. Yeah. The more that we'll find an integrated whole life that God is after. Well, and not only that, you can really correct areas of yourself yes. if you understand that you are not That's any one thing. That's right. If all you were was just an 11 year old basketball player. <laughs> right. Well, when your dad kind of blew that up, up, yeah. then what are you if exactly. that's all you were exactly but that's not all you are right and so you're able to work on one element of your life which is again this is the problem yeah. of society identifying you by one feature exactly is that let's say something happened and that feature was no longer accessible to yes. you or you realize wow this is not a godly or god honoring part right. of myself right. if that's the one identifying feature of you then what are you when that goes exactly. away exactly Exactly. And I think this is why we see so much identification with work. Even you just mentioned that. Yeah. Well, what do you do? Right. Because that's such an identifying factor of who we are. And when we go through a season maybe where we can't work or retirement, yeah. that will tell us a lot about whether or not we've demonized or divinized work. Well, even with COVID and people losing their jobs, it's oh a very goodness. real yes. thing in this yes. moment. People lost their sense of purpose yes. oftentimes yes. and went into even dark moments of depression mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as a response to losing the thing that they most closely associated with. That's right. Occupationally. That's right. Well, and our culture has been messaging for us for so long mm -hmm. that you need to find a job that you love. That you and love. You have to, in essence, you have to become that job yeah. to validate yourself. 
I find validation in the fact that I do this task or not this task or whatever. Right. And there's some goodness to that, finding a thing that you love and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think we've overreached on that a little bit because now again, I'm taking a part of myself, my working self, and I'm making that who I am. That is and, the whole thing. And again, we could go down this list and we could just ask people, how do you identify yourself? Generally, they're going to write, I'm a funny person yeah. or I'm a serious person. I'm a competitor, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You can kind of understand what people think about themselves and sure. what part selves they want to highlight more than any other self yeah. based upon what you would ask. What are your three best features right. or one of those kind of questions? You know, another really big example of this is when people stay home with their children mm -hmm. and their lives are only being a parent. Yeah. Like that's my whole life is right. being a dad. Then what happens when your kids are out of the house? That's right. You see lots of people losing their complete identity because for so long that was their identity yeah. just in being a parent. And I think everyone should be great parents. Absolutely. I think you should be so Absolutely. focused and devoted to your family. But as soon as that becomes the one identifiable right. feature of your life, then you've lost that wholeness now that you're talking about. That's right. And one of the quotes that we read this past Sunday from John Calvin was that in order to know God, we have to know self. Mm -hmm. And once we know God, we know self right. even better. And this is the whole point is that the more that we can recognize that we have different elements of us, different parts of us, the more that we can then begin to integrate those into one whole thing. Because what we said this past Sunday, coming off of that John Calvin quote, is that sin is not just an external action yeah. or a thing that I need to overcome to be saved or something like that. Actually, sin are the ways that we consciously do things, but it's also the way that we unconsciously don't do things hmm. where we aren't pursuing wholeness because that's what we're supposed to be striving after. Sin is actually captivity as much as it is a reality of our lives. It's also a captivity a bondage where we are in bondage to the fact that we are now not that image bearing thing that God made us to be holy 100%. Yeah. And so what God is after isn't just a moral kind of life where we do good things and we think good things. Mm -hmm. Rather, he's after us imaging ourselves after Jesus. Right. Making ourselves after Jesus with, of course, the transforming work of the spirit. It only happens by the spirit, but also we have a role in that, a responsibility in that to take up new spiritual habits. Sure. Like interior examination where I can go inward, not for the purpose of navel gazing and seeing how awesome or how terrible I am. Either side of that spectrum is bad. Yeah. But going with Christ into my interior life to then have a chance at integrating those parts of me that I've either not thought about or left to the side or repressed or ignored in order to become more healthy. Sure. Well, yeah, you make the spirit's transformation of your life the key thing. That's right. Allow yourself to become more and more aligned with the character of Christ. That's right. And then once your character becomes that way, then now that spills into the way that you do all these other things, how you are occupationally, That's right. who you are socially, That's the right. things that matter to you on a public forum or mm -hmm. politically or whatever, that should all be an overflow of the person that God has made you as you seek and follow after That's him. Right. Versus allowing your situations and context mm -hmm. to color the way that you view Christ. That's right. And color the way that you view scripture. Instead, allow his transformational work in your life to then color the way that you view people in your context That's and in your good. circumstances. Well, and it goes to what even I'll say this weekend. You have to be before you do. Yeah. And this is a part of what this whole image bearing thing that we even we talked about this past summer mm -hmm. is to live into that image bearing role that God designed us to be. Yeah. We have to be before we do. And so what God is calling us after in interior examination is to be with him first, which that's to become like him first. Yeah. And that's not at all what we're taught normally in right. even Christian circles. That's right. Because we're very much in a saved by grace through faith, not of works Amen. kind of camp. Yes. But I think then 
That's right. We stress works a lot. <laughs> That's right. I totally yeah. believe it's only through the saving grace of Jesus that Absolutely. we have a relationship and access to him. But then what we've done is we've said, okay, great. Now that that's off the table, now do, 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 yeah, yeah, do absolutely. all the things that you can do yeah. to prove yourself worthy of God's love. That's right. Those obviously aren't the words that have been preached to no, us. No, but functionally. The, the way that right. it's at least come across. Right. And then what happens is we get so focused on the doing of good mm-hmm. and on the doing of all these things that are very godly, wonderful things, but we've gotten so focused on the doing that we forgot to allow the spirit to transform us into people who naturally do them. Right. Versus allowing our regular selves to do things that are godly without his actual working within us. Yeah, And that's why that becoming is so important. And that's yeah. what this whole series is about. It's becoming more like Jesus through some practices that create the space and the ability to actually become more like him. Right. Well, and this kind of goes back to our last week's podcast. We talked about Sabbath and rest mm-hmm. and silent prayer and being able to slow down and all these things. Yeah. And sometimes the cost of that is removing some of these good things that we're doing. Yeah. But maybe we're just doing them to do them, not because it's actually a necessary or critical element of our Christian walk. We do a lot of things before we become the thing that God actually (laughs) wanted us to be. And sometimes we need to remove the things that we're doing to become the person that he wants us to be so that then we can go back and do those things again. Well, and then the doing is a result of our becoming. Yeah. And that really needs to be restated and restated and restated over and over again. We need just to say that over and over again, because we have to become like Jesus in order to go do for him. Yeah. I find that I go off and start to do something for God. Mm -hmm. And then I remember about halfway through the doing of whatever it is. Oh yeah. I should pray. (laughs) I should pray. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Or like, oh yeah, I should start reading my Bible Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. That's my whole point is in the doing of something for God, I remember God about halfway through the thing. And that's something that I have to then go back in and look, what is it within me that's causing me to want to shoot off and race off first before I ever sit with God and in his presence, becoming more like him as I apply some of these spiritual habits to then go off and do the service in order to honor him that way with my actual physical actions. Yeah. We've kind of gone on Christian autopilot for a while in the living of Christian life. And we're very comfortable with that. It's kind of like, remember before the GPS was popular or even having Google maps on your phone or whatever, you had to go to mapquest.com. And before that you had to actually buy a map map. (laughs) and look at the map. And when you were going to go somewhere, you planned out the route and you knew exactly what roads you were going to take. You knew the exits. You had planned it. You really spent time with the map before you get yep. on the drive yep. versus now we just plug it in a dress. We have no idea we have where we're going, that it's going to take us to the right. We place. just go on autopilot. We get there. <laughs> and sometimes I think we could benefit from Christian map planning. That's really good. where we just look at the map and we dwell on it and we decide where we're going to go based on the route that's laid ahead of us. And we prepare ourselves for the journey that we're about to go on. That's really, really good. Versus yeah. just going on a trip without any regard for what it's going to look like. Well, because then you have to backtrack. Yeah. You still have to reference the map at some point. Right. Because you're going to get lost at some point. You will. And this is the whole point of what this interior examination thing is that we've been talking about this past Sunday is you can't set off until you've begun to do some of the process of the healing and the self-awareness and the recognition of some of the things that we experience, like the external impacts that we talked about, which were trauma scripts and patterns. Mm -hmm. We also talked through the ways that we experience anxiety, what our emotions and feelings actually are, the fact that they're two different things. Emotions happen, feelings are perceptions of what you're emoting. And then there's also your reactions. And so being aware of of these things, starting to think through them and to examine how these things interplay with the other parts of myself right. really help us to begin to map now what I should do next. 
Because if I recognize in myself that I have a script given to me or a pattern given to me by my family or something like that, that says you need to make everybody laugh in order for the room to like you. To gain affection and approval. That's exactly right. If that's a script that I believe or a pattern that I live into, the more that I could examine that, become aware of that, the less that I have to enter into a new situation and be the funny guy in the room. The more that I can just be present and just be a part of the relationships with the people. Exactly. Because the more that you understand how God made you and the person that he's made you to be, the more you understand that your approval doesn't come from those things. That's exactly right. And the more that I measure that script, that pattern I've received against the scripts of the gospel, the less anxious I actually become when I enter a new social setting. The more present I become to myself and to the people in the room, the more that I actually can start to listen and hear other people and what they have to say instead of thinking about a joke five steps ahead of time in order to be the funny person in the room. Sure. And that's maybe not an emotionally charged example right there, but I'm doing that one on purpose just to show that that kind of process that we just walked through doesn't have to be this earth shattering thing, but it's an awareness that then I can look at and I can go, okay, well now for next time, this is what I'm going to work on. Right. And that is such an important element of what this interior examination is. Now, with that said, what's so important is the fact that what we just did is what it ought to look like. So number one, it starts in my inner dialogue and how I process through things and in prayer with God, of course. But then secondarily, and almost just as important, I think it's two sides of the same coin, not two steps even. The other side of the coin is to talk with your community. Right. To talk with other people, to help to gain some more perspective and in times correction and also some accountability. Yeah. And how I'm doing as I process through some of the things that I'm beginning to be aware of. So the more that I become aware of my trauma, my scripts, my patterns, my anxieties, my emotions and feelings and my reactions, the more that I can look back at them and say, this lines up with Jesus, this doesn't. Right. This is a good thing that I'm doing. I'm going to continue to do that because it's a healthy practice for me. This thing is not so healthy. And sometimes you don't know that without right. the other perspective of community. That's right. Because you can't see your own blind spots. Yeah. You, They're blind spots. <laughs> that's the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's incredibly vital. Mm-hmm. to have a deep relationship with whether it's your disciple maker or it's a spiritual mentor or somebody you really trust in order to begin to process through some of these things. And then even for some, it will require professional attention where the professional has the kind of tool set to be able to speak through and talk through and help you reveal some of the things that maybe you have, again, compartmentalized off. Yeah. And whether that's because it's a survival mechanism, I'm trying to cope with this thing that happened to me, or whether it's a mechanism that I just want to suppress and ignore that uncomfortable part of me, whether it's a serious issue or maybe a less serious issue. Either way, having those kind of voices and doing it within community is so vital because sometimes we trick ourselves. Yeah. And so it's really good having community speak into us as we delve kind of into our inner lives. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned the need for approval as something with a little bit less emotional gravity, we'll say. But on Sunday, you mentioned some things with some emotional heft to them yes, yes, and some really deeply rooted mm-hmm. and serious things. Yeah. And all the things that you mentioned, just give me a few as examples, just on a list. Yeah. So we talked about trauma and under that heading of trauma, we talked about abuse, whether it's sexual, mental, or emotional. We talked about maybe a loss of a loved one or an experience of loss from a really large event. Yeah. A lot of people experience trauma after 9-11. Right. Because maybe that it happened to them personally, but it happened and they were seeing it and it was very much a loss. Yeah. And so it may not even be me personally that something happens to. It could be something external to me, but that I then internalize and have no and relational It has home huge form. affectations right. to how you live your life. You mentioned that's, that's these like right. really heavy things. Yes. One thing that we do with this podcast is we love to have listener feedback. And I heard a lot of feedback about this particular message just because I think all of us have some element mm-hmm 
of heaviness in our past. Absolutely. And I don't want to minimize any of these things. There are really serious yep. moments and yes. really serious issues that people in our context have dealt with. Mm -hmm. And we can't understate that enough. One of the questions that was specifically asked mm -hmm. that I'd like to address here was, what is the relationship of Christian understanding of these things mm -hmm. and these traumas, these abuses, yeah. these reactions, the, yeah. all these things? What is the reconciliation between a Christian understanding of that and then modern medicine mm. dealing with kind of the psychological effects of some of these things? Yeah, that's a great question. So again, this goes back because of the enlightenment, because of the cultural scripts that we've received and because of the messaging that our culture gives us. We believe that there are two distinct areas of life. Mm -hmm. There's sacred and there's secular. Mm. And so what ends up happening in that dichotomy that's been, I think, falsely created yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that there are two spheres of life. So there's a spiritual life and there's a secular life. And what that means then for something like trauma is then, okay, well, because there's two realms of life and they don't intermingle in any way, we as Christians can come to believe that when trauma happens to us, there's nothing good in the secular realm, maybe like modern medicine or psychiatry or anything like that, that can help us because everything has to be dealt with in the sacred mm. or vice versa. Or vice in the versa, secular yeah. world would say, there's no benefit right. to the sacred anything because right. all that's just fairy tales and whatever. And you really only need to do the secular thing over here. And I think we need to just dismantle that sacred secular divide. Right. Because that's just not how God sees the world. That's not how the Bible sees the world. It's not how the Bible writers see the world. It's not how the Holy Spirit wants us to live our lives in this world. No. There is no divide that way. You don't leave church and all of a sudden you're a secular person. Hmm. You don't leave your work and all of a sudden you're a sacred person. It just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. All of your life should be a blending of the sacred and the secular. Which is very much what we were saying at the beginning of this episode. That's right. So how that relates then to the specific question that's brought up is, number one, science won't conflict with God. Right. So we don't because need to be he is scared. the author of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We don't need to be scared as Christians of scientists working hard to produce. Well, let's just use like Advil as an example. Hmm. None of us would be frustrated if you said, oh man, I have a headache. And I yeah. said, well, here's some Advil. You wouldn't go, no, I must pray it away only. Right. Because that's secular. What's in your hand? And I'm only a sacred person. None of us live that way. You have a headache, you take some Advil or whatever your medicine of choice is. You, right. you take some medicine to make you feel better, to relieve some of those symptoms that you're experiencing. So the same is true, I think, of the psychological world. There's been a lot of development and understanding into the human psyche, some good and some bad. And we as Christians need to understand that as yeah. well. And we can understand that they have a different worldview than we might as we enter into that. Mm -hmm. But even still, if God is the author of truth and God is the author of science and God wants a more integrated and a whole life for us, yeah. then I don't think there's any problem with us as Christians wisely and with a lot of discernment entering into a psychiatrist's office to receive maybe some additional help via medication yeah. and the tools that they offer through conversation. Right. Yeah. I'll talk to you a little bit of the other side of that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think that doctors or practitioners, psychiatrists are too quick to medicate. I, oh, I also agree with that. So I'm not speaking against medication mm -hmm. at all, no, but no, I think no. that kind of what you're saying where there's this sacred and secular right. and they refuse to <laughs> acknowledge each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that sometimes doctors are very quick to medicate and what ends up happening is there's a numbness that occurs sure. that just helps us ignore some of the issues that mm -hmm. may be there mm -hmm. versus allowing us to clear fog to be able to yes. deal with them. Yes. I think all of us deal with spiritual oppression. Absolutely. And I think some people need medication to be able to deal with that spiritual Absolutely. oppression. I also think that sometimes 
things might just be an imbalance mm -hmm. that needs to be dealt with as well. Absolutely. And it might not even be something that anyone asked for or that circumstances gave you. It could just be a predisposition to yep. need additional medical care. That's right. And we, as believers, we need to be okay with that. I agree hundred percent in the same way that we need to be okay with, Oh, you broke your arm. We're not just going to pray that the bone comes sure. back together. We'll do that. We'll pray that. But, but we're also going to send you to a doctor. We're also going to go to the doctor. Because yeah. there's a broken bone. And medicine is a common grace that God's given us. Right. For all people to benefit from for the benefit of human flourishing. Yeah. So it's no problem to enter into modern medicine. Right. We have to understand that there's yes. validity to yes. mental illness. Yes. We can't just write it away right. as being solely spiritual oppression. Right. However, I think spiritual oppression most certainly exists. Absolutely. I think we have to be very cautious to understand that there is a middle ground here. Yes, and there is an interplay between the secular and the sacred. Right, that we can have actual spiritual oppression yes. and actual chemical imbalances. Yes. And most people are somewhere in the middle of that. I agree. And on one side, they say, medicate it away. Right. And on the other side, they say, pray it away. Yeah. And I would say that maybe we need to do both. Yeah. Maybe there are times when the only way that someone can deal with their heart issue mm -hmm. is to clear the fog through medication. Yeah. And they might not even be able to really clearly see the issue. Yeah. Until they've dealt with some of the actual physical issue first. I 100% agree. And I think on the other side of that same statement you made, some people need to consider their medication and mm -hmm. whether or not their diagnosis is correct or not. Yeah. And really seek maybe some other opinions within the medical field because maybe they're in such a fog that they can't quite get to that thing that you're talking about there. We're in such a fog because of their medication that they can't do this inner work that's really necessary. Yeah. And so on either end of that, I think as Christians, we need to be really wise and discerning about how we enter into whatever side it is. Right, I, absolutely. Yeah. I think we all need Jesus. Period. And some of us need medicine. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. that's okay. And that's okay. And that's okay. I don't want to move away from this point too quickly. Yeah. Because clearly this is a conversation that we've had and we have a nuanced viewpoint of all this, but I think that there's people in the church who grew up who it was only prayed away. Right. Well, I've heard that sermon preached many times. You where saying. You are not to touch medicine. That's right. If it relates to your mental health. Yeah. Because that would then be not trusting God yeah. to handle it for you. Right. And Advil is a great example. What do you do with these things? Exactly. Because if you're going to have that kind of viewpoint, you need to be consistent. I agree 100%. And it gets really problematic. It in does. That way. And what it does is it stigmatizes our inner lives. Mm -hmm. It stigmatizes the reality that sometimes we do need additional professional help. Yeah. Maybe not all the time. Maybe for a season. Maybe for a long time. Who can say? That's the Who whole point. Who can say? Well, a great example is oftentimes after birth, a mother will go into a deep state of depression mm -hmm. and not understand it and not know what to do with it because yeah. it's rarely talked about candidly. That's right. And if they're from a Christian background, they almost feel wrong yeah. for having yeah, these dark, feelings. dark feelings. And again, as a man trying sure, to explain yeah, it yeah. is living in a fog post birth, right. right? They feel like they can't even deal with it because it's not talked about in Christian mm -hmm. circles mm -hmm. and treating it medically is most certainly frowned upon. Oh yeah. And so then what do you do? But having a baby is something that happens all the time. Yeah. So why aren't we talking about it? More? We should talk about it more. Right. And we should be okay with the conversation, even if I don't know how to fix it. And here I think is the issue is we want to fix stuff. Yeah. We just want stuff to be fixed right now. 
Mm-hmm. And so because that's a part of our messaging in our culture, you don't have to process through anything. You just need to order it online. It'll be there in two days. Right. That's how you fix stuff. If I'm hungry, I fix it by going out to the fastest fast food. To Probably get it. Taco Bell. Amen. So I fix stuff as opposed to process through it. Yeah. And the more that we close off that conversation to our inner realities, our inner lives, the more that we feel like we can't talk about it. Yeah. And the more that it perpetuates a cycle of unhealth Mm -hmm. where we're not taking inner looks at all. And now we're becoming more divided, more compartmentalized, and we're not integrated the way that God would call us to be living a whole life present to him. Yeah. So this is all just really nuanced and we have to be able to see it from that perspective. And also I would say, David, you can't unilaterally make a decision that one person's mental illness is totally valid. The other person's is not. We don't get to make rules that extend across every circumstance and every individual because every individual has a completely different context. This is why even on Sunday, I don't want to say you struggled with this, but in preparation for this sermon, you really felt the heaviness of, well, if I mention anxiety, anxiety comes in all kinds of forms. Yes. And I don't want to minimize one person's circumstances by talking about it in a different way over here. Same thing with abuse. I don't want to minimize one person's horrible abuse situation by talking about it in a different way over here because all these circumstances are so situational and unique and have to be dealt with on a very particular one-on-one I agree. Moment, which is why then we're big proponents of counseling. Yes. Just everyone see a counselor. It's a great I thing. Think so I, just yeah. have a nice little routine maintenance. Yes. Talk with a counselor once a year to say like, Hey, I'm doing okay. At or least. Hey, you know, I'm not doing yeah. okay or whatever. Just, Absolutely. it's good to talk through these things because you come from a very particular and individualistic situation and yeah. context, which is why maybe we don't do well with the mental health conversation in churches. Mm is because we want to put a rule on it. That's so good. And we want to say, well, this is the overarching standard for all mental health cases. Right. And that just does not exist. It's not reality to say that's true. But as Christians, we want that. We want to say it's a one size fits all solution. And we just don't get that with the mental health conversation. What I think has happened is that then we just haven't talked about it at all. Right. And then people who are affected in their mental health Mm -hmm. feel isolated even more Because they have a very real issue that's just not being addressed. Well, and then they have also a history where they feel ostracized already because maybe the way they perceive the world is a little different or maybe the way that they think others perceive them, Mm. whether it's true or not, whether that's distorted thinking or not, the way they think other people view them. Now, there's this whole inner dialogue where it's hard for them to even enter into deep relationships with other people because there's just this constant question swirling and there's this big tension in their mind all the time. And I think that what the church institutionally can do is to really talk through these topics, yeah, to normalize them, right? to say that this is a reality that everyone to whatever degree, this is another point I tried to make this Sunday, is that you're only as fine, I put that in quotes, you're only as fine as the person you're comparing yourself to. Right. All of us have dysfunction. All of us have differing levels of mental health. Mm -hmm. All of us have differing levels of traumatic experiences, scripts, patterns, anxieties, emotions and feelings and reactions that we all have to suss through and figure out. Well, and they're all on individual scales as well. So my 60% of mental capacity might be your 80%. Exactly. And we have to understand that we all have different bandwidths. Right. One person being yes. affected by something might be a huge loss for them. Yes. That yes. might not be a huge loss for someone else. Exactly. And we can't compare the two saying, oh, well, if I can handle it just fine, 
then they can yeah. handle it just fine because yeah. we don't understand the context that they're coming from. That's right. Which is the whole picture of the iceberg that you brought up. That's right. That we only see 10% of what's happening. That's right. We're Do you only, want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, we're only getting the curated persona. Yeah. We're only getting the neat, nice me that comes out when I have to be in public. When in reality, <laughs> underneath yeah. the water lies the most the, serious, the yeah. largest portion, the even the most grave, the more, all these things. Yeah. And that's why it is so important to begin this awareness. Because again, what I talked about this Sunday is not a solution, but it's the beginning, hopefully, of a process where I'm beginning to look now inward because 90% of me is really happening on the inside. Yeah. What I do in the exterior world and for others to see while I'm in public, that is me. 100% that's me. Yeah. But also that's an edited version it's of me. It's a curated version of me. It's a curated, curated version of me because I'm not going to react to a stranger the same way that I would react to my closest people. Right. I'm not going to talk maybe the same way I would with a stranger that I would with my closest people because now they're getting a, a deeper picture. Right. And even they're not getting the full 90% picture. Sure. And this is why opening ourselves up with the loving gaze hmm. of our God as we look inward, why it's so important because what Jesus shows us over and over again is to make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Yeah. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. But right. an evil man brings evil out of the evil things stored up in him. And that's just the reality of it is that what's within us, the more that we can be transformed by Jesus, the more that then our fruit will be like Jesus. Yeah. And sometimes it takes an understanding and even an acknowledgement of these impacts mm -hmm. and forces and yes. reactions, all these things. You have to acknowledge them yes. to understand how to move forward. Yeah. And how to really dig in deeper to more closely align ourselves with the will and nature of God. We can't yeah. do that if we have all these things weighing us down and all this baggage that lies in our past. That's right. Or even in our present. I or even say. in our present. But we have to understand where they are so that then we can weed them out for the future. That's right. And the more that I can identify the specific things that have occurred to me, whether it's trauma scripts, emotions and feelings, anxieties, reactions, whatever they are from the list that we talked about this past week, the more that I can begin to assign a place for them. Yeah. And particularly for trauma, but really for any mental health, the more that I can assign a relational home for that place in my life and in my understanding, the more that I can move from that event. Now, with that said, things like trauma particularly, it's not like a linear scale where, okay, well, I dealt with that now it's done yeah these things like grief will be cyclical they'll right. come back and we'll have to re-go through some of those same steps again in order to be able to manage or deal with or receive some relief and healing through the process of that so the whole point is that this is not a quick fix or a solution right this is a process that we all have to walk through yeah and the more that we conversate about stuff like this the more that we give permission for people to speak about it yeah. And I think that's such an important thing. I know from my personal experience, we never talked about emotional health in a Christian setting. No. I don't know if that's true for you or no, not. No, we never did. So the fact that we're talking about emotional health at all, talking about some of these maybe serious or persistent issues in people's lives, I think the more that we talk about this, the more that we're giving ourselves permission to recognize, like what I said this past Sunday, that we're fully human. Yeah. We are human people, and this is what life on earth is like and god knows that right and i think it's no better picture than jesus in the incarnation yeah who walked through exactly the kinds of things that we walked through he knows our struggles he knows the traumatic experiences he knows the scripts the patterns he knows all the anxieties the emotions and feelings just like we do well and the bible is very clear that he dealt with grief that's right and he dealt with these very yep. deep emotions yes 
And we don't think about that. We don't even really study it much. At one point, we tried looking for a book on the emotions of Jesus as displayed through the Gospels. And it's a very hard topic to find content over because we just don't talk about it. But Jesus came as a man for a very purposeful and reasonable moment. That's right. God wanted us to see what humanity could look like. That's right. And the book of Hebrews tells us that he suffered in every way that we do. He He knows our situations so intimately. Therefore... Therefore, when we look into our own lives, he knows exactly what and where and when and how that process of healing and relief will come. Absolutely. I love that we're having this conversation, David. I think it's important. I think it's the kind of thing that we need to be more comfortable talking about in future conversations, even on this podcast. We'd love to be able to hear your perspectives as you're listening. And as you have feedback or questions or comments, or maybe just even a personal story that applies to this that you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear it at 817-809-3040. Just send us a text message. We'll be able to take the things that we think are most helpful to the conversation and address them, just like we addressed a major question in today's episode. We are so thankful that you take your time to listen. And if you've missed any of our previous episodes, they're all available at cbc.family media or available on all of the major podcast distributors. Again, thank you for listening. We can't wait to continue in our Rootworks series and continue to discover how to become the people that God has made us to be.